Stu Does America. Get your anyone but Biden t-shirts as well as your Bidenomics strikes back stuff over at StuDoesMerch.com. StuDoesMerch.com. The code is Stu10. You'll save 10%. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel, like all the videos, especially this one. Do this right now and hit the bell for reminders. We've got more election coverage that we're going to be doing in off times coming up in the next few weeks, so make sure not to miss that. Pat Gray is here to talk about how the Republican race was shaken up over the weekend. Gavin Newsom lays his hypocrisy bare with a pressure washing of San Francisco. It's all so easy. I'll tell you why and what that's about, but we're going to start by doing the conservative abortion strategy. Now, this has been a big piece of conversation and controversy on the right since disappointing results yet again in the election uh, past this past Tuesday. And, you know, let me, if you don't know the argument, I'll familiarize you with it. You know, of course, the left kind of ran with this, and this was their sort of uh, main explanation as to why all this happened. Uh, abortion rights advocates win major victories in Ohio, Kentucky, and Virginia. The results sent a stark signal about 2024, uh, in, uh, enduring about enduring demands across the political spectrum to protect access to abortion, even in conservative states. That's the messaging uh, that was out there. And we, I want to talk about how conservatives should think about this, how, what the strategy strategy should be going forward and what it all means. But let's first kind of take these one by one because I think it's important to understand the reality of the situation. And I, I'm not saying that abortion has been a big winner since the Dobbs situation. There's an argument that before Dobbs, Republican politics benefited um, by the abortion issue, and now they aren't. The argument basically goes like this. Beforehand, when Dobbs was there, no one could get anything really passed abortion-wise, so Republicans were the only ones who cared. Right. Republicans would come out to the polls because they were trying to get people alerted over these, you know, this terrible situation that they believe is going on. And liberals were like, ah, we don't care. We're not going to. Why are we going to show up? We have the Supreme Court decision, uh, the uh, the Roe versus Wade's decision that protects these rights. We don't have to go out and vote on this stuff. So Democrats really kind of were hurt by this for a while. At least that's the argument that was made. Um, now Dobbs came in and abortion now can be talked about. The conversation can happen, as you know. I think that's a really positive thing and something that's really important. Um, but Republicans have lost some special elections. They've lost uh, another uh, off-year election here in 2023. And the argument is, well, this is affecting these races. And at the, on the surface, I think there's some argument for this. We saw this a little bit in Virginia a couple of years ago uh, where some of this happened and there was some evidence of this. And there is an argument to be made that is that this is part of, of this. And if 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 you know abortion's the problem, Republicans better figure out a strategy to deal with it, right? What is that strategy? But first let's look at whether that's really the problem, at least this past Tuesday. Uh, one of the big pieces of evidence was this race in Kentucky, and it was Democratic Governor Andy Bashir reelected to second term in Kentucky, overcoming state's GOP dominance. And he did win. He won a, a race 50, uh, about five points, 52 to 47. Uh, and he won by about 70, 65, 70,000 votes in the state. And you'd say, well, this is Kentucky. It's a obviously a red state. There's no chance that uh, you know anyone's thinking it's going to go to the Democrats for the presidential election, and the fact that the Democrats won at the you know in the, in the state is a big thing. What else could explain it? If you could look at the ads that Andy Bashir ran, it was basically scaremongering 
on the abortion. They want to take uh, the abortion issue. They want to take away your rights. They want to take away your rights. They don't like women, blah, 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 blah. The old war on women sort of spiel that they made in 2012 against Mitt Romney. Well, I think it's more complicated than that, frankly. Um, Number one, Bashir is really popular, actually, in Kentucky. He has a 60% approval rating, whether he's a Republican or a Democrat. He's got a 60% approval rating. He's a very well-known figure in the state. His family is a very well-known family in the state. His name recognition is off the charts. And really, Democrats have been elected more commonly in Kentucky than you would think, especially as governor. I think there's only been two governors in the past like 50 years or 40 years uh, in, uh, in Kentucky who were Republican. And if my memory is right, they were both one-termers. This was not this is not a a state where Republicans continually win at the governor level. And Bashir is a particular example of someone who is very central to the kind of identity of Kentucky. They've been with his family for a long time. They're not scared of him. It's sort of like a Joe Manchin situation in a way. Now, the other part I would bring up about this, and, and this is one I've not heard discussed much, but if this was all about abortion, why did all the other Republicans do so well? Let me give you some examples. Uh, Russell Coleman, attorney general. You know, you're talking about someone who is uh, really central to the enforcement of abortion in a state. If you're coming out and voting on abortion, why are you going to vote for the Republican attorney general? That doesn't make much sense. Well, Russell Coleman won by 16 points. Secretary of State, Republican won by 22 points. Agriculture commissioner, 18 points. I mean, that doesn't have much to do with abortion, but still, um, these people who are really passionate about abortion came in here and voted for all these Republicans. I mean, Mark Metcalf for treasurer uh, won by 20 or by 14 points. Uh, Auditor won by 22 points. Allison Ball. This happened over and over and over and over again in, in Kentucky. The race, honestly, was pretty friendly to Republicans overall. It was just this one example. Now you could say maybe all these people were super passionate about abortion and they just thought all these other rules should go to Republicans, including the one that would enforce the abortion laws. Maybe, uh, it seems unlikely to me that that would be the case. Now go over to Virginia. Now Virginia, we all kind of remember um, uh, the governor winning a couple of years ago and it's like, okay, well now this is what, a red state? Is that what we think? Because uh, because one guy won, this is a red state. I mean, it's really not. Remember what a surprise this was when Youngkin won in Virginia? That was a shocking surprise. It was, uh, you know, it was largely due to issues that were super passionate, people were passionate about it when it comes to education. Uh, you had a bad candidate on the Democratic side. It was still a pretty close election, generally speaking. Uh, what we have in Virginia, and I would argue this is what happened here, and by the way, Virginia Democrats sweep legislative elections, delivering a blow to Glenn Youngkin's plan for a GOP trifecta. Virginia Democrats who campaign on protecting abortion rights swept Tuesday's legislative elections, retaking full control of the General Assembly after two years of divided power. The outcome is a sharp loss for Glenn Youngkin, who exerted a great deal of energy, money, and political capital on an effort to secure the GOP trifecta. Well, okay, I mean, look, what we have here is a blue state. This is a blue state that Republicans occasionally win in the perfect circumstances. These did not turn out to be the perfect circumstances, and and Republicans lost some, and Democrats were able to uh, make some gains, although moderate gains, nothing spectacular, but especially for a state that they usually win by double digits in the presidential elections, but they made some progress. And, you know, Republicans in Virginia occasionally do okay. Youngkin's relatively popular there. But this is not a state that you can depend on year after year after year for big election wins for Republicans. It's just not the reality of the state. 
What's fascinating about this is usually when people talk about the abortion issue, they say, well, we need to be more moderate. You can't be going for, you know, complete bans and everything else. Well, that's not what they went for in Virginia. Remember, in Virginia, they went for a 15-week ban. A 15-week ban is something that, generally speaking, polls pretty well, even among most Democrats and independents. It's not a big Republican issue. It's the type of line that makes a lot of sense for, uh, for uh, if you're going to draw a line on political purposes only, separate from what is actually occurring, which is children not living. If you're going to make that decision based on politics only, you'd think a 15-week ban would be something that would be, generally speaking, the middle ground on this issue. And that didn't seem to work either in Virginia, though I just think the answer here is it wasn't all that much about abortion. And then, of course, you go to Ohio, where it's hard to deny that, of course, abortion was a big factor. It was a specific ballot initiative about abortion. So there you go. Ohio voters enshrined abortion rights in the state constitution. The passage of issue one ballot measure inserts the language into the Constitution, guaranteeing every person in Ohio the right to one's own reproductive medical treatment, including but not limited to abortion and barring the state from burdening, penalizing or prohibiting those rights. Though it specifies abortion will remain prohibited after the point a doctor judges a fetus would most likely uh, survive birth with exceptions to the um, uh, protect the women's life or health. So you're going to get basically a. And when you want to say 24, 26 week uh, ban, it's not, I, you know, it's, people were saying, oh, well, it's basically California. It's not quite California. It's still, I mean, it, it would have been a halfway decent law, maybe you'd say back in the pre Roe versus, back in the Roe versus Wade days before Dobbs. But, you know, it's, it's going to knock out a half a percent of abortions or something like that. It's not going to be particularly significant. It's basically going to be able to get abortion whenever you want. And of course, when you have health of the, of the mother included, it's basically a free pass for some liberal doctor to say, oh, well, I was worried she might, uh, she might get a headache if she has that abortion. So, or she doesn't have, if she has that kid. You know, kids are loud. They cry a lot. And that might give her a headache. So the, for the health of the mother, we're going to make sure we abort the kid. That's kind of where we go. But so when you look at that, though, you say, OK, well, uh, the Ohio situation's an interesting one. Obviously, it was about abortion. But who voted in that election? You know, there, the electorate was not the normal electorate in Ohio. Typically, what you see is about a 10-point win. I think it was an 8-point win for Donald Trump in Ohio. It used to be a swing state back in, let's say, 2004 was the, you know, the state that the entire election hinged on. But generally speaking now, this is a red state. You know, Republicans can win pretty easily there. They usually win by high single digits, maybe low double digits in the state. And um, you know, the governor won by way more than that. I mean, it was a you know, 20-point type of victory. So it's a pretty red state. The issue here is when the electorate was looked at in, in exit polling, what we saw was a Democrat plus two state. The electorate was far outweighed by people who were activated by the issue of abortion and, to a lesser degree, marijuana rights. And Democrats came out and Republicans stayed home. Part of this is money, right? you got to raise a lot more money. But part of it is getting people who are pro-life voters to actually care about the issue now that they've won. It's a reverse of the situation before Dobbs. Now, you know, it's like Democrats feel like, well, we have something to gain. We had something taken away from us. We don't like the policy now. They're activated by abortion. And Republicans are like, well, we had that big win. We're not nearly as passionate about it. That's the wrong way to think about this. You didn't have, I mean, it, look, overturning Roe versus Wade was a necessary part. And what that part did was it began the debate didn't end it. It began it. Before Roe versus Wade, the debate meant very little to nothing. You couldn't do anything when Roe versus Wade was inactive because they could always go back to the courts. 
uh, and they could say, well, you know, the constitutional right to abortion, here it is in this case. And over and over and over and over again, Republicans ran into a brick wall trying to change the laws. This just allowed the states to actually have the debate. You can't give up now. You can't give up your passion now. You fought for this for 50 years, and you're going to let a state like Ohio turn into almost California? Like, that doesn't make much sense at all. And it's the type of thing that I think Republicans have, uh, on the pro-life side, have sort of lost connection with. It feels like, oh, well, we kind of already won this, right? Do we still have to keep doing this? Yes, it's more important than ever. Before, you could protest all you wanted, but you couldn't really get anything done. You needed to get the judges in place to make this happen. Now is the time that convincing people of these views is the most important thing. And, you know, you want to go with 15 weeks, that's fine. You want to do that? Okay. That's what Tim Scott wanted to do. Uh, he's no longer in the race, but that was kind of his pitch at the debate the other day. That was the pitch of Virginia, the GOP in Virginia. Well, what you're doing with a 15-week ban, to, to be clear here, is keeping about 97% of abortions in place. So you're going to lose about 3% of abortions, at least you know, 3% before, of course, you factor in the fact that people will, number one, go to other states, as that is going to be the case with any of these state laws. And number two, people who typically were going to have their abortion at 16 weeks might move it up to 14 or 15 because they want to stay on the right side of the law. They might get an abortion a little bit earlier. Um, and you know, many of them will also just figure out a way to go to their doctor and get some liberal doctor to say their health is at risk. And at the end of the day, the abortion happens anyway. So it's probably not really 3% you're preventing. It's probably more like 1.5%. That's better than nothing. You know, of course, anything you can get is better. But it is one of those things where, is that really even a pro-life law? Barely, right? It's not, that, it's not the type of thing you need to use a lot of political capital on. It, it doesn't seem like it's going to make that much of a difference, though every human life, of course, is a difference. Um, this is... Uh, Something that's similar to the 2004 Republican strategy. What Republicans did in 2004 is they said, hey, gay marriage is a big hot button issue. Most people are on our side on it. Uh, the overwhelming majority of people think that man, man and women can get married and, you know, the gay marriage thing is not, uh, not really connecting with people. Let's put ballot initiatives all over the place and, and convince people, hey, they're coming for these rights. They keep saying it publicly. They want gay marriage to be a thing. You don't agree with that. So come out and make sure you vote and vote and vote and vote on these Republican-started ballot initiatives to ban gay marriage or put gay marriage bans in constitutions across the country. Now, this basically worked in 2004 for George W. Bush. This was you know, something that made Karl Rove sort of famous. It was uh, one of his strategies. And it basically worked to win that 2004 election, which was highly contested and very, very close, and certainly helped activate Republican voters who weren't in love with George W. Bush, but cared more about the abortion issue, or excuse me, about the gay marriage issue. That's what they we're looking at now for the strategy here in the, Repub the Democratic presidency. And look, this is the only thing they can really argue for, right? The economy's in the crapper. Uh, nothing's really going well internationally. The border's a mess. Uh, this has been a disaster for Joe Biden as president, so they need to come up with something to talk about. They will certainly give you a big um, uh, dose of Donald Trump is mean and he tweets a lot of stuff. You'll get that. But you'll also get the abortion approach. The question is, though, does that work? Now, it did work in 2004 at some level for Republicans in certain states. But it is important to note that presidential elections are not going to be like the 2023 election. You're not going to have an electorate that's in Ohio that is Democrat plus two when you're talking about the presidential election. That's not going to happen. 
people in presidential elections are activated because they're constantly talking about the presidential election. They're going to go out and they're going to vote and Republicans will be active and they will get out there. You don't need to have um, an issue to get them animated. In an off-year election, you do. So this strategy that the Democrats pulled off here in these states works pretty well for off-year elections. does not work that well for presidential years. That does not mean you don't do anything. And I will say, if you're Republicans, you're dropping the ball here. But if you're just thinking, well, maybe our voters will come out and try to, um, maybe they'll be successful in figuring out the lies around the ballot initiative and they'll come out and they'll do their thing. The way to activate your own voters is to also put your own version of the abortion argument. And I don't know what that is exactly. Maybe it's uh, trans kids in in, uh, women's sports. You know, maybe it's that issue. Fine. Maybe it's uh, being able to educate your kids the way that you want. Maybe it's the, you know, porn in your libraries. Whatever that issue is, you need to put on the ballot a, a, a competing issue to an abortion amendment that's going to animate your voters to come out. You can't just depend on them coming out to oppose the Democrats' ideas. You have to give them a positive reason to be assertive and come out and vote themselves, especially in off-year elections. You know, is abortion a winning issue? Is it a losing issue? I don't necessarily think it's either. I think long-term it's a winning issue. I, uh, you know, Republicans lost a bunch of elections around slavery, uh, but they're remembered, at least by people who actually know history, pretty positively in that era because they fought, they were the party that was fighting against it. And I think that's the same thing that's going to happen with abortion eventually. But as of right now, it's not really happening and it may hurt them from time to time. You know, if you have a ballot initiative in your state that says, hey, we got to make sure we protect abortion and contraception and miscarriage care and all these other things that aren't at risk going away, You should put on the ballot a competing amendment that has all of those things except abortion. Let people say, yeah, we'll protect contraception in the state constitution if you want. Give people a reason to come out and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to get fooled by this. Make sure you're communicating better. And, of course, you need to raise a lot of money to do that. Um, That is, of course, uh, part of the strategy that Republicans don't ever want to do. And the other part is you don't need to moderate everything. You don't need to come up with a, well, what if we have a 29-week abortion ban and therefore four abortions a year will be saved? That We can all agree on that, right? Well, maybe we can, but it shows weakness in your argument. If you think abortion is bad, make the uh, positive choice, uh, the argument for life. You know, in 2004, Democrats, there was some talk about civil unions, but it wasn't this thing where like, well, what if we have a civil union and gay people can be married for three years and then we'll revisit. They'll have to reapply for a license. Is that okay with you guys? They don't apologize for their views. They just went for it. And you know what? It may have cost them a presidential election. It's possible. But they kept saying it and making the argument over and over again with the American people. And over time, the the argument that they believed was correct has sort of won out in the polls. Now it's not even an issue that people are really debating anymore. That's an important thing to remember. You know, if you if you don't argue for the right and you uh, argue just for, I don't know, liberal light, you're going to get something else. You're going to get, you know, I don't know if they're if you're arguing for. Uh, If they're arguing for liberal dark and you're arguing for liberal light, you're going to get liberal in the middle. You're going to get liberal dusk. And that's not something that is good. Argue for what you believe in and try to take every little step you can take in each state. You're going to have different approaches for each state. That's okay. But you need to take each little step that you can in effort to get to the right answer. Winning elections is important. We talk about it all the time on the show, but it's not more important than saving the lives of children, especially long term. And you have to make that argument. You have to be able to have the balls to be able to argue for what you actually believe. And if what you believe is little children should be 
should have a chance to live their lives, then how can you back down off of that? Let me tell you about Raycon. Raycon, every day, they've got these earbuds. They're, they're called everyday earbuds. They're fantastic. They sound better than ever. I love my Raycon earbuds. Uh, they're so much better than the competitors. And they have these optimized gel tips uh, with a range of sizes. So it's going to fit in your ear perfectly. And they fit flush to your ear. They don't, like, stick out. They don't hang down like long earrings. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime, a 32-hour battery life. I love the noise uh, isolation and awareness mode. Like, it's nice because you can turn it off. You can shut everybody up around you. Or if you can have the stuff on and just have a little bit of the sound around you coming through. This is good if you're like jogging or something. You kind of want to know your surroundings a little bit. Uh, this past year, Raycon expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. They got so many great products. Uh, they are now offering 20% off everything in their site. Um, this is select products up to 40% off. You know the holidays are right around the corner. Buy this stuff now. Get the presents lined up. You don't have to deal with it later. Buyraycon.com slash stew. Use the code BIRTHDAY. You'll get 20 to 40% off. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com. Buyraycon.com slash stew. The code is BIRTHDAY for Raycon. I'm joined now by the one, the only, Pat Gray, host of Pat Gray Unleashed right here on Blaze TV. Pat, welcome to the program. Thank you, Stu. Great to be here. Thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you were able <laughs> I'm to make it. very excited. Very long commute. And so we've, we yes. appreciate you flying in for this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. y yeah. Okay. <laughs> I flew all the way from that section of the studio to this one. Wow. Yeah. It, was it a uh, Jeff Connect at all? exhausted. No, I just flapped my arms. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> That's good. Um, let's talk about the tragic news from last night. Uh, it happened Ooh. on the Trey Gowdy show, which... Apparently yeah. exists. I did not. I did not know that. Um, where Tim Scott was on and kind of like seemingly surprised not only Trey Gowdy but a bunch of his campaign staffers that had no idea he was about to say, mm -hmm. ah, "I'm suspending my campaign." Yeah. Uh, were you just devastated. shocked? Devast devastated. I mean, do you expect me to do this show now? I, I thought maybe still, we could talk about it. Still, even after you brought this up, wow. you know how devastating this was to me. <laughs> I, uh, a I lot of people. Well, okay, I'm over it now. But oh, that um, was fast. That was faster than I thought. <laughs> I did. You know, he did the right thing because you're just wasting money at this point. Mm -hmm. You're just wasting time at this point, and you're taking up space on a debate where you shouldn't be taking up that space because nobody cares about what you have to say. Yeah, I, it's funny because like, I think you look at the field and there is a group of people who there is no argument for them being in the race. You know, I, mm -hmm. I love them, but Doug Bergamentum. Like, there's, yeah. no, there's no argument for Doug Bergamentum no. in the race. I don't think that's the case with Tim Scott. I, I think there's an argument for him to be there, there in the is. race. Yeah, it just there is. didn't work. It just wasn't his time, I guess. I don't know. And there were there's better options, you know? And I, I think he realized that he doesn't have a chance, and so um, go ahead and do the better option thing. Because with... With Trump and DeSantis and Ramaswamy in it, and you know other people are going to say Nikki Haley, but she doesn't. Not, she doesn't do your, it for me. Not your flavor. No, but uh, yeah, there's better options, and just not his time right now. Yeah, that was kind of his vibe in the in the kind. He's like, you know, it's people. They, I didn't think they were telling me no. They just said not now. Yeah, and I. They on might be paper, saying no. Yeah, they might be, on paper, might I think be. I can understand where he's coming to that because his favor, yeah. favorable numbers are good. There's some reasons he can raise yeah, money. I don't dislike him. Yeah, I don't either. But, like, I don't 
watching his performance, it didn't seem like he was, you know, he, he needs a new one new pitch. It gets a changeup. He'll be fine. He'll be striking everybody out. It didn't feel like yeah. that. It felt like he was probably not a major league pitcher. Yeah, it did feel that way. Um, but, you know, spending some time in the minors, maybe he can develop a few new pitches and mm-hmm. uh, come back. It's possible. At some point in the future. 28, 32, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but not now. now he, he, we did find out he's got a girlfriend, though, that w- so that was... That was weird. Why is the media fascinated weird. with that? Because oh. he's 58 and a bachelor, I guess, and, you know, both, sure. both South Carolina uh, senators are... <laughs> True. It's been noticed. Elderly bachelors and uh, not super common. Right. Not super common. I, I felt bad watching him up there with her because the the one thing that struck my mind is was like, geez, like some consultant said, you got to bring her up on stage. This is the problem. Yeah. Like some consultant yeah. was like, you know, these hateful Republicans, they won't like you if you're gay, so you have to prove you're not gay or something like that right. happened. I'm sure to make this go on, and it's like, no, like yeah. he just none of us were worried about it. I didn't no. even think about it. Nope. I, I've never worried about his marital status. No. I just think he's a really good senator from South Carolina. He's Yeah, he does a good job. Yeah, I, he's I, solid. Unlike Lindsey Graham, who's terrible. Right. I think Lindsey Graham is terrible in basically every way. Uh, Tim Scott's yeah. solid. I like him. He's good when he comes on the show. Yep. He's a much better interview than he is every other thing about campaigning, though. And I, especially like, the debate. I don't think he's, he's not good, good at the debate. No. Much better so, in interviews than he is in the Might debate. make a good Sunday school teacher. You know, yeah, that, uh, and that's a higher really calling in that than even capacity. the president. Yeah, yeah. Do, that. Uh, do that. Let's talk about the actual the impact on the race, because I think most people are like, OK, this is a joke. He was at three or four percent. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But he was at seven percent in Iowa. And you have mm. two candidates that are pretty close in Iowa for second place behind yeah. Trump, Haley and DeSantis. And I don't know. I mean, I think ideology wise, you'd think these voters would go to Haley, Haley I feel like. But would. I mean, uh, is that his is donors that, apparently did. They did. Yeah. The two biggest, I think, went to both went to Haley. So that helps her a lot because um, at least she'll be funded for a while. Um, but again, uh, she's not the one either. She is not the one. We don't need a warmonger as our nominee. And, and I really feel like she is. And Tim Scott was certainly hawkish. As he was well. hawkish. Um, she's really, yeah. you know, selling that hard. I mean, the one thing I keep coming back to with Haley is at least she's admitting it. Like she's not telling you. Yeah. She's super hesitant about it and is going to do it. She's like giving it to you right at the beginning, boldly, telling you this is what she believes. She's proud in, of it and saying you better agree with her. Yeah. And that is going to get her to about fifteen percent of the vote. And right. I don't know how much farther she gets with that. that that's the problem with the strategy. It is here. interesting, though, because like you, like you said, she, it, it doesn't seem to be an issue with her that she's reading the room and right. going that direction. It seems genuine. So I genu- genuinely just don't want her to be president. <laughs> <laughs> well, her, her criticism of Trump, which was fascinating in the debate, was uh, he was the right president at the right time. So 2016, mm-hmm. this guy's the right guy to have. Her next right. line was that sh- he put us in $8 trillion of debt. So I don't know if he if he if he put his eight trillion dollars a day, is he really the right president at the right time? Yeah. And the only other problem she came up with with Trump was he used to be strong on Ukraine and now he's weak on Ukraine. So <laughs> like that's it, <laughs> which is weird. I mean I, I don't it is weird. That, like I, that. And I think the opposite is true because when he was strong on Ukraine, Russia did not invade Ukraine, mm. and that was a big that's a big difference compared to now. You notice we we didn't have the Israeli situation and we didn't have the Ukrainian situation when Trump was in office. So, you know, um, it's hard to make the case that he did a bad job on foreign affairs. I think he did a really good job. 
some people are critical. They say, okay, um, Ukraine, a lot of, you know, the people who are like, and maybe the Nikki Haley side of this, right? And they're saying, well, Ukraine's a real priority. We got to put money into that, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Even more money. They say to a lot of conservatives, wait a minute, you guys are all for funding Israel. Like, why don't you care about Ukraine? These are people, they have mm -hmm. been attacked as well. They're trying to mm -hmm. defend themselves. What's the difference? Why, wh how would you sell that mm. to, the, to the, the, that faction of the right? Uh, to me, there's quite a few differences. One is um, Israel is a longtime solid ally of mm. ours. We've been an ally of theirs from the beginning of Israel. Um, Two, we've got American interest, and you know, people will say we have American interest in Ukraine too, trying to keep them separated from the NATO countries. But we've got 20 hostages that have been taken by Hamas, and they've attacked us. The Iranian-backed uh, douchebags in Syria have attacked us, what is it, going on 50 times now? Mm. And so we've got serious, legitimate, direct in interest in the Israeli situation, um, whereas in Ukraine, it's a little more nebulous to me. And, and I know we don't want Russia rolling through Ukraine and, and uh, trying to do the same thing to a NATO country, but um, this just full-throated, wholehearted, complete support that seems to be endless uh, I think is way over the line Wait, with you, Ukraine. You, you think an unlimited amount over an unlimited time yeah. for unlimited purposes uh -huh. may be the wrong strategy? I think it might be wrong. Really? Yeah. That's I'm going to go out on that limb. Wow. And it may break from underneath me, but I'm willing to go out on that limb. You may need more time on Pat Grandleach to fully explain that theory. Yeah. I yeah. think that's going to shock people's <laughs> world. work on it. Yeah. I, do we not? I mean, like, because... You look at this, because I think it's interesting. I just did a thing on abortion and the way that this was handled in the debates. A lot of people on the right are freaking out because, oh, abortion's costing us all the elections. I don't think there's a ton of evidence of that. Mm -hmm. um, there's some maybe around the fringes, but I don't think there's a ton of evidence. But like, you know, Ukraine as well is not the top issue of Republican voters. What people say over and over and over and over again across the board is the economy is the issue. Yeah. And Bidenomics was this kind of gift from Joe Biden who said, no, this is mine. This isn't a problem from from Donald Trump. This economy is mine. Bidenomics is here. It's going great. You just don't understand it. That was his risk. That was his wager. Right. And how's that working out for him? Uh, not well. That's not working out well. I mean, Bidenomics has been a catastrophe. Mm. And anybody can tell you. Now, he tries to change people's minds. He tries to tell people, no, you're doing great. You're doing way better than you were under Trump. I've helped you. But I'm sorry when people aren't having the same sort of success that they had under Trump. Now, they kind of know better. Yeah. They know how they're doing better than the president. Really? Does. Yeah. It's weird, Do, isn't it? Does it surprise you that this isn't working? And I mean this not because of like, all right, you have a situation where the, you know, Joe Biden is actually doing a bad job and people are realizing it. That's the, that's true for sure. Yeah. But like. When the media decides to take a narrative from the left and push it on people all the time, it usually winds up working at some yeah, level, it right? Does. Like they'll convince you, oh, no, no, I swear the economy's good. And they'll keep saying it over and over again. And eventually people will be like, no, the economy's good. They're parrots. Yeah. Uh, many voters, unfortunately. Yeah. This one, though, does not seem to be connecting. Doesn't take hold. And I think it's really hard to take hold when, you know, inflation is still at like 4% or whatever, when before it was under 2 um, gas prices are way up from where they were when Trump left office. 
they're they're lower than the five or six or seven dollars we were paying a year mm. and a half ago, but they're still way higher than what Trump left him. Yep. And I think people just understand that this wasn't Trump. This is a Biden issue. And like you said, he's been taking credit for Bidenomics. Well, maybe he shouldn't have. Yeah. Maybe he shouldn't have. That was an incredible gift to conservatives. Yeah, so they blow it with that gift. It's amazing. What do you do? You throw your hands up like and you guys are going to blow every election. It looks like Democrats are fairly strong otherwise, just not at the top of the ticket with Biden mm. right now. So Take yourself and put yourself in the role of a Democratic strategist here for a second. I know this is not easy or fun for you, but just mm-hmm. put yourself in this position. You want the Democrat to win for a moment. You have a president who's 81 years old. He has a popular uh, popularity rating or uh, approval rating around 39 percent, give or take. Mm-hmm. It's very, very bad. You're going into a re-election campaign with 39 percent. It's terrible. When people ask uh, whether he's competent to do the job, should he be doing this job? Over half of his own voters say no. Yeah. Okay. That's a remarkable number. People are saying, yes, he should be president. Also, he can't be, he can't actually do the job. Yeah. There's a report from, I think it was the New York Times this week, where insiders in the White House say he can't run a full campaign because he's incapable of it. And this is why they're keeping him away from the press. All the things that we suspected, right? Yeah. So you're in that situation. Let's say you want the Democrats to win. Do you go through the process of f- trying to push him out with either another candidate or behind the scenes and mm-hmm. remove him? Mm-hmm. Or do you stick with this plan? And if you're going to remove him, which is a big task and a, and, a, and a real sign of weakness a year before the campaign, if you're going to do that, where do you go? Who do you replace him with? Fortunately, that's a real conundrum for him. Uh, that is, yeah. It's really tough because yeah. you're taking a big chance if you stick with him. And that would be your inclination because he's the incumbent. And incumbents, it's hard to beat them. It's really, really hard to beat an incumbent president. If he's done any kind of decent job, but of course he hasn't, and he's cognitively declining, mm-hmm. uh, and he shuffles around and looks lost every single speech. <laughs> so it's. I think I'd be pushing for... Gavin Newsom. So no Rose Garden campaign for Biden where he can no. just stand around and, and mutter, you know, muddle around the uh, the Rose Garden and not be able to find the White House from there. Um, <laughs> so you, you replace him and you replace him I with... I think I replace him with, with Newsom. Newsom. Newsom? Yeah. I mean, like, look, Newsom did a pretty bad job in COVID. Yeah, I think he's really bad. He almost and got I, recalled. But, you know, he he's suave. He's well-spoken. He can lie about his record pretty well, mm-hmm. which he's done in the battles he's had with Ron DeSantis trying to compare California to Florida, which you can't possibly do. But all these Democrats are complete liars. They're lying sacks, and uh, they do a pretty good job of it. Mm. They can fool some of the people, and, uh, and I think Newsom would fool some of the people. Mm. Hopefully um, not enough to win. Um, I think they're, uh, hopefully, I think they're doomed no matter who runs. Really? Yeah. I'm not as optimistic as you're not. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I think it could go either way. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, having an incumbent does get you those advantages of being yeah, able does. to control the news cycle and yeah. you know, free travel all over the place. And there's lots of nice benefits to that, but mm-hmm. he's so bad. And you get the White House press conference every single day. Every single day. To where you lie to the people, look them straight in the face, and lie every day. I'll tell you one thing I would do is replace Corinne jean Oh, she's so bad. She's so bad. They oh could get gosh. somebody. Even if you brought back, what's her face, Saki. Yeah. At least she's mildly competent at the job. Get right. somebody who can make arguments for you. Like, they did this yeah. diversity 
higher, and it's killing them. Oh, yeah. And I one mean, of many things. Doesn't matter. Republican, Democrat, she's the worst of all time. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, in, because there's never been anything like it. Pat, all she does is read. I know. She's literally know. reading all and of the answers. She can barely do that. Yeah. She doesn't even do that well. do that. It's incredible. All right, Pat Gray. Uh, Pat Gray Unleashed, of course, is the program. It's right here on Blaze TV. Also, subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel for sure. And don't forget, we're getting close to Christmas, okay? This is a big moment for you. You're going to go to holiday parties. You need to make a big showing. The way you do that is with Kexi cookies. Wow, what a good point. you got to do it, It might it, be the best one you've made today so Seriously? far. Seriously? Yeah. Much better yeah. than the Tim Scott points. <laughs> you better. It is very yeah. important to show up at a, at a holiday party with the, with the best thing. It is. You show up with a it bunch is. of Kexi cookies. Everyone's going to be talking about it afterward. Yeah. Uh, this is the way to do it. Kexi.com, K-E-K-S-I.com. You guys got any holiday things going on? Any, yeah, uh, we do. Any flavors? Uh, and yes. Eggnog, right? You got an eggnog one? Yes. We what do. else? Hot chocolate? Hot chocolate's coming back. Uh, 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 Boston cream? And we cream. have the Boston cream pie. Oh, the Boston cream Holy ones. Holy cow. Absolutely really incredible. Good. you got to get your hand. Get these in your life. Kexi cookies, <laughs> kexi.com. Pat, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go when you are buying or selling a home. That's not necessarily a lot of fun. It's a lot of work to buy or sell a home. Uh, you need a real estate agent to help you through the process. Glenn Beck started this company many years ago. Uh, realestateagentsitrust.com is a place to go to find the best agent in your town. And you might say, well, I already have a good agent. It's my cousin's brother's former roommate. And you're like, well, actually, is that person really good? Or do you just kind of know them and feel guilty if you don't hire them to be a real estate agent? Don't feel the guilt. Just get the best one in your area. It's really important. And if you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, whether you're buying a home or selling a home, no matter what you're doing, you can get the best agent wherever you are in the country. So if you're moving from some blue state, you're moving from Gavin Newsom's California to Ron DeSantis's Florida, you don't know what agent you're going to have, go to realestateagentsitrust.com, find the best one, and then make your experience a really positive one. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a free service to you. Real Estate Agents I Trust. Dot com. You're going to be uh, shocked to hear this, but Biden is struggling in some elements of his presidency. Um, it's breaking news. Biden struggles to quell backlash and party over Israel's response to Hamas. So he's it's not to quell the fact that he's doing a terrible job on almost every issue. But his party is uh, a little upset that Israel is defending itself and not just letting their people be constantly raped and beheaded. And that seems like a better approach for a government. I know. I know it's a controversial take to try to stop that activity, but that is what they're doing. And honestly, he's struggling, yes, to keep control of his party, but he's struggling pretty much at everything else as well. Disoriented Biden needs help from Arlington Honor Guard during solemn wreath-laying ceremony from the New York Post. Uh, one of these things, again, where Biden just can't seem to find his way to anything. Here he is, uh, you know, bumbling around and getting lost. Walk backwards, wrong way, try that way, eh, wrong way, back to the thing. Now, which way should I go? Oh, turn around that way again. I don't know, stand back. Do you remember where you came from? You just walked from there a minute ago. How are you not remembering this? That's just kind of the way this is happening all the time. I don't know if it's the best example, but you see him get lost on stage basically all the time. It's it's kind of embarrassing. And that's, of course, why, you know, Pat was talking earlier. Maybe Gavin Newsom's the guy. Well, Gavin Newsom has incredible amount of power uh, before. This is a big, uh, big conference happening where President Xi's coming to California. And, you know, California residents all the time are complaining about what a mess. And, you know, this is there's poop everywhere. There's you know, homeless people everywhere. Can you please clean this up? Of course, they say no. 
Unless President Xi's coming, and this is incredible, before world leaders arrive, San Francisco races to clean up. Wow, they can do that? They certainly can. Here's what it looks like now in San Francisco. I know folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. Um, that's true. Oh, it Because is? it's true. Oh. But it's also true. Wait. For months and months and months prior to APEC, we've been having different conversations. Wow. So they cleaned up the streets of San Francisco, and it's true because it's true. Of course, we all know that. Um, just because they can't do this for the actual residents. The people who are struggling, the people who are getting assaulted on the streets, the people who are stepping in human feces every other day, those people don't get your respect. But the communist president of China, the dear leader of China, comes in, rolls into town, and you want to show off how clean your community is. It's a disgrace. I mean, how can California residents put up with this? And Pat's right. Like, Gavin Newsom would probably be one of the top two or three people who might get the nomination if Biden didn't get it. But how sad is that for Democrats, that this guy, the guy who's overseen this and then says it's true because it's true, that guy is one of the Democrats' top choice. It's a rough situation for them. Jace Daly is from Jace Medical. This is a company that brought you the Jace case. Uh, it'll give you some antibiotics to get through uh, some difficult times if the supply shortages happen. Well, Jace Daly is a new service they're giving you. This is a subscription service and allows you to get up to 12 months of a backup supply of your prescription medications. You know, I've had a prescription at the pharmacy for like two weeks, and they keep texting me over and over again. Hey, your bottle of medicine's here. Come pick it up, please. It's still sitting on our shelf. And I'm like, I'll get there eventually. It's a pain to go every single month to go get your medications. It's nice to get the longer supply. And you never really see more than like three months supply. Jace Daily can give you a year. A year. And you can take this, uh, have a year cushion. Uh, you can have it and use a little bit, then refresh. You can do all sorts of different things. Your order is reviewed by a certified healthcare professional and delivered straight to your door. They make this super easy. And, you know, look, with all the uh, supply chain issues, it's something you got to think about, unfortunately. JaceMedical.com is the place to go to solve this problem for yourself. You can subscribe to Jace Daily. If you use the promo code Stu, you can get a big discount on your order. JaceMedical.com, J-A-S-E Medical.com. Subscribe to Jace Daily. You might not want to listen to this next minute if you're easily pissed off, but there's a poll that came out. I want to read it to you. Um, this is exact quote. Do you personally know anyone who you think might take up arms against the government in certain circumstances. An acquaintance, yes, an acquaintance was 8%. Yes, a friend was 6%. Yes, a family member was 6%. Yes, me was 4%. And then no, I don't know anybody like that, 63%. I get what's happening with this poll here. Uh, but can I ask an uncomfortable question here? The way it's phrased, shouldn't the number be a yes, me, 100%? Like, in certain circumstances that are undefined. Now, if it's current circumstances, the number should be zero, right? We, we should not have government taking arms against your government right now. But, like, what if Adolf Hitler gets the presidency and starts executing minorities all over the country? You don't think there's an opportunity? The right thing to do would be to take up arms against your government? What, what about the Revolutionary War? There, there have been times where that's been okay. It's not okay now. It's not a good idea now. That number should be zero if you're talking about now. But under certain circumstances... Maybe we should rethink our answer to that question. All 
All right, make sure to get your merch. StuDoesMerch.com is the place to go. You got the Anyone But Biden. You've got the uh, Repeal the 16th Amendment. You've got uh, Bidenomics Strikes Back. Great stuff at StuDoesMerch.com. Code is Stu10. Great Christmas presents. Go there and load up now. StuDoesMerch.com. <laughs>